Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds, and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If, only in theaters May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Je suis venu vous parler d'Europe. Und es ist ein guter Tag für Europa. We have our freedom in our hands. Europas Rolle i verden bliver stadig vigtigere. Du lytter til Parlamentet, Altingens podcast om Europa. Every Saturday growing up, we would have Danish lunch on a Saturday, uh, where we would have herring, and it was an excuse for my dad to have a schnapps. Emma Kate Hopkins spiste dansk frokost med sine forældre hver lørdag, da hun var barn. Og nu har den Cambridge-uddannede jurist og diplomat slået sig ned i det Danmark, hvor hendes mor kommer fra. Hun kan huske, når hun besøgte mormor og morfar, og fik både guldbarer, appelsinjogurt og flæskesteg. Eller, som hun selv siger, Guldbar, en appelsinjoghurt um, and flæskesteg. Ja, men det er nu ikke kun derfor, at Emma Hopkins er kommet til Danmark. For et par måneder siden afløste Hopkins nemlig Dominic Schröder som Storbritanniens ambassadør i København. Schröder blev fra 2016 den, der repræsenterede britterne hele vejen gennem den svære skilsmisse fra EU. Emma Hopkins kommer fra et job som britisk ambassadør i Bulgarien, og nu får hun til gengæld den lige så udfordrende opgave at være den, der finder ud af, hvordan det diplomatiske forhold mellem Storbritannien og Danmark skal fungere efter Brexit. Denmark and the UK have a relationship that goes back for hundreds of years. We've been in the EU for 47 years, so it was a, a relatively short period within that longer term relationship. Men er der noget, der er blevet ødelagt? Hvad har vi stadigvæk til fælles? Skal vi finde en ny måde at tale sammen på? Og hvor er de vigtigste områder for dansk-britisk samarbejde? Altså når vores ministre nu ikke render ind i hinanden i Bruxelles mere. Alt det har min kollega Emma Kverin Holst. Ja, hun hedder også Emma. Alt det har hun talt med ambassadør Emma Hopkins om. Sådan så du også kan møde den britiske regeringsrepræsentant i Danmark. Velkommen til denne uges udgave af Altingets europæiske podcast. Mit navn er Thomas Lauritsen. I den her uge er podcasten en interview-special. Og vi starter med ambassadørens danske arv. Well, my mom is Danish, and um, she left Denmark when she was 17. And she came over to England, where she met my dad at Cambridge University. Um, and they subsequently came back to Denmark to get married, but then they've lived in the UK for for my entire life. So whilst I am British, I have a very important part of me which feels quite Danish because my family, extended family, all live here in Copenhagen. And as a child, I used to come and spend my summers with more, more, more far. Uh, in the summer house and to do different things here in Denmark. So I feel a real close affinity with Denmark. And one of the reasons I wanted to be ambassador to Denmark was because I wanted to explore a little bit more some of my Danish heritage. 
Does your mixed background help you understand Denmark better? Yes and no. I think I come with some childhood perceptions about Denmark. Um, I remember all my favorite foods like gulbar and appelsin yogurt um, and fleskestai. Um, there's still a lot about Denmark as an adult, perhaps, that I hadn't appreciated. So it's quite exciting to to learn more. Um, but also, I think my mum was very, very keen on passing on a good understanding of Danish history and Danish culture. Every Saturday growing up, we would have Danish lunch on a Saturday uh, where we would have herring and it was an excuse for my dad to have a schnapps. Um, but also Danish design was very important to my mum. And so we grew up with this kind of aesthetic sense of what a good design looks like. And I've sort of carried that through. So so I do think it is helpful. And also having an ear which understands the Danish language. My Danish is a bit rusty, so I've been brushing up on it. But I understand a lot and I think that does help. Help. What have surprised you most about Denmark? Returning to Denmark, um, I I I hadn't rem- I hadn't remembered that actually there isn't a lot of sunlight <laughs> in the winter period, uh, which was a surprise because as a child I don't think that's something that you remember. Um, one thing I have found, you know, even more surprising is just the depth of the relationship with with Great Britain. I mean. I, I read the papers every day and listen to the news, and and there's almost more news about what's going on in London in the UK um, than sometimes I see other European countries. So I, I I really feel that strong and deep connection here with the music we listen to, the things we watch, the fact that if you make a Monty Python reference, most people in Denmark will get that um, if you're of the right generation. <laughs> uh, so you know I, that has surprised me a little bit. I think. Um, As the ambassador here, I'm not the repository of the relationship. All I'm doing really is looking for ways in which I can build on what is a really, really uh, rich and deep foundation. Well, the relationship between Denmark and Britain is my next question. So Denmark and Britain has a long history of collaboration in the European Union about various common interests. Um, but after Brexit, only Denmark is the member of the EU. How will this change the relationship between Denmark and the UK? I think it'll change the way um, that we interact with each other, but I hope that it won't change the substance of what we're doing together. Um, We won't be seeing each other across council tables in Brussels anymore, um, but we will be seeing each other in NATO or in the Council of Europe. We won't necessarily be uh, joining on uh, European foreign and security measures, but we will be cooperating bilaterally on defence. Lots of our troops uh, work together very closely uh, in Estonia at the moment, but in Afghanistan and Iraq. And also there are lots of things coming up which are both priorities for Denmark and the UK. This year we are presidents of COP, the big climate change conference at the end of the year. I know that's a priority for Denmark and we're going to be working closely with them on it. We've also got the presidency of the G7 this year, uh, which is another very important uh, grouping that we hope will drive uh, a building back better after COVID. And Denmark are going to be an important player in the overall global recovery because they have niche areas where Denmark have a real strength, whether that's technology, uh, whether that's climate, green finance, uh, whether that's energy. Um, so we're going to look for ways in which we can work with Denmark more. But we just have to be a bit more creative 
creative about it and we have to be a bit more deliberate. We can't be lazy in the sense that we think we'll see each other very regularly. We have to create those opportunities. Um, as you mentioned, we're not going to be able to see each other at the council meetings. Will it be harder for them to get access to the British government? After Brexit? I don't think so. I mean, if you look back at the voting record of Denmark and UK in Europe, they're the two countries that voted most similarly on EU issues throughout our long membership, which I think really just underlines that they are very like-minded uh, in, the, in the way that they think, uh, as the UK uh, government is too. So I don't think uh, that access will be reduced, but we just need to, I suppose, focus the dialogue on the things that matter to both countries And that does create good opportunities and new opportunities too. So I am looking forward to exploring a bit more with the Danish government, whether that's increased work on migration uh, or on defence or something we might do on countering disinformation in the security setting. So I think we just need to be creative. We need to be focused and deliberate in our interactions. But I don't think it will be a reduction in access. I think one thing we've seen, especially with COVID, we've had such good cooperation between, for example, the Danish medical and scientific community and our medical and scientific community, whether it's about new variants, mink variants, you know, we've worked effectively uh, to exchange information uh, in order to really craft our response. So I think that will continue and I hope that we can find slightly different and newer areas uh, to do that in. You keep mentioning we have to be more creative uh, in how to cooperate and communicate, how will you ensure that the Danish ministers get access to their colleagues in UK? I think it's it's not a it's not a difficult ask. Mm. Um, you know, our foreign ministers are talking uh, shortly. Um, and so, you know, that was a request that was easy to uh, respond positively to because there's such value to the relationship. I mean, even if you think about COVID, I mean, the UK and Denmark are two of the countries in the world with the most advanced genome sequencing surveillance capability. So we're able to cooperate together because we are world leaders in that field and we can actively assist each other. So those are the the opportunities that we are looking to expand upon. And, and it's not difficult because Denmark are an important player and we really value uh, their leadership on some of these big global challenges. So you have already mentioned a bunch of topics that Denmark and Britain can collaborate about in the future. Can you maybe, uh, I don't know, uh, specify that a bit? Yeah, so I mean, I think one of the big areas is on the climate. Um, and this is both about the North Sea and energy, uh, which is, of course, of huge interest to both countries, given our geographical proximity. Um, but not just that, it's about wind and green sources of renewable energy. The Denmark are one of the biggest investors in uh, the UK wind power, and we have one of the biggest wind farms in the world off the coast of the UK. Um, so I think that's an area where we'll be looking to Denmark also to how to work with business, how to encourage uh, green finance. You know, these are all extremely important topics. So we want to get into the detail of some of that to look at how we can meet our ambitious targets because both Denmark and the UK have set quite ambitious targets on on climate change. Are you going to reach out to Denmark before you are hosting the COP26? 
Yes, we are. We're doing it already. Um, we Denmark have participated in our Ambitions Summit in December, where the Prime Minister uh, spoke about recent announcements here. We're also working at export level to, to set out what are the work streams going to be and how can Denmark contribute to those. We'll be looking at the good practice. I was talking to some of the big Danish investors in the UK last week who are leading some of the, the business engagement on, on, on climate, looking at what we can learn from how Denmark do that very successfully successful public-private engagement very well. So, you know, so these are some of the, the areas that we'll be looking at more. Um, but also we want to get the young involved, you know, so, you know, we will be looking at different ideas about how we bring the youth voice from the UK together with, with young people from Denmark uh, to harness their ideas about climate change. So I think we want to look across the whole range of activity that we can do with business, with society, with government. Um, and I'm quite excited about that prospect because it's an incredibly important area. Um, so my final question, do you think that the collaboration between Denmark and the UK will be as close as it used to be in the EU? I hope so. I mean, um, Denmark and the UK have a relationship that goes back for hundreds of years. We've been in the EU for 47 years, so it was a, a relatively short period within that longer term relationship. Um, and I think all the fundamentals remain the same. What the shape and nature of our trading relationship is in the bigger term, in the longer term, is not the most important thing. It's the values that sit beneath that. And I think Denmark and the UK share so many of those common values towards free trade, towards human rights, towards the rules-based international legal order and upholding that, um, and towards security. So I don't think uh, that actually that will change fundamentally in the future. Ja, det handler om fælles værdier, fælles interesser, lidt om Monty Python, og så ellers om et forhold, der går flere århundreder tilbage i historien. Der er også et liv efter Brexit for det dansk-britiske forhold. Måske bliver det faktisk endnu vigtigere, end det var før. Tak til Emma Hopkins, Storbritanniens nye ambassadør i Danmark, og til min kollega på Altinget i København, Emma Kverin Holst, som havde lavet det her interview. Og tak til dig, kære lytter, fordi du gav dig tid til vores Europa-podcast, der var et rent interviewformat i den her uge. Vi er tilbage i næste uge. I mellemtiden kan du læse masser af Europastof under EU-portalen på vores website. Pas godt på jer selv, alle sammen. Tak for i dag. På genhør i næste uge i parlamentet, hvor altinget taler om Europa.